0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about our live stream church services, the Walk in Truth podcast, how to donate and how to find us on social media when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 3, 6 through 9 called Sharing Abraham's Blessing.
1: We are looking at a message called "Sharing Abraham's blessing." I'm just going to do four verses together. Once you've uh, kind of settled and located the text, if you're physically able to stand, would you stand to your feet as we share the text together? Galatians three verse six. Even so, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing, Galatians 3.8, that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the nations shall be blessed in you. So then those who are of, of faith are blessed with Abraham the believer. May the Lord write his word upon our hearts. You may be seated. Father, we thank you for each precious person that's come into this place in this new year. Every new day, your mercies come afresh to our lives. Thank you for a a God who gives us grace upon grace. Uh, Though we often feel so undeserving of it, you are so gracious to give it. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and you called us Just like you called Abraham out of a life of, for many of us, idolatry, serving other gods, not knowing the God of the Bible, not knowing truth, and you saved us, and you called us, and you justified us, not by works, but by faith. Now, our faith is a faith that does work, and even though we're saved completely by grace, we know Abraham was an example of a man who was saved by grace, but walked out his faith. And I pray that that would be true for us. But we do need understanding, Father, of these most foundational truths. And we have some incredible, uh, rich, profound truth to look at this morning. And I pray that you would lead us where you want us to go. Give us ears to hear. Add and take away from what I've prepared so that you would be glorified in what we do and what we say. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. Amen. Well, if you're like me, I, uh, I wrote a lot of cards uh, over the holidays, and uh, I usually end the card with God bless you, and uh, that is my wish for each person, each person I know, uh, each person that I want the best for is to invoke the blessing of God in their life. When we say God bless you, sometimes we say it after someone sneezes. Uh, We might say it, uh, you know, in a way that we wish the best for them. But I gave you kind of the Hebrew picture of uh, the blessing here in this photo. Because the Hebrew picture language, what Moses would have written, kind of in symbols, almost like uh, Chinese would be in pictures, moving from right to left, the idea of blessing means the sun covered or the hand covered. And the idea of blessing in Hebrew is that someone has you covered. Someone is invoking the blessings of God. And it's usually, I think in all cases in the Hebrew idea, it's the greater that blesses the lesser. And we see that in Genesis 14 when Melchizedek blessed Abraham. It was the greater blessing the lesser. We have a little background music for us this morning as well, for those of you who heard it. Anyway. So, that's the idea. We want to be a blessing to our children and grandchildren. I remember I did a message, uh, it was a couple years back, and it was this idea of the blessing, and there was a young man in our congregation who told me that at his wedding, you know, I could see that this idea was moving him profoundly, and he said at his wedding, uh, at the reception, his grandfather, during the reception, gave him the blessing, prayed over his life, prayed over his wife. And I think, if I recall the story correctly, within a few weeks, grandfather passed away uh, suddenly, unexpectedly. And for that young man, that blessing meant everything to him because it was grandpa asking God's best into his life. And here we have this idea of blessing. In Galatians 3, you'll notice in verse 8, The Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, and this is remarkable because this is way back in Abraham's life when he was actually called Abram, preached the gospel. The Scripture foresaw that God would justify non-Jews, Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying all the nations shall be, here's the key word, blessed in you. So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham the believer. Maybe you have uh, seen some interviews lately of a movie star or an athlete. You're not sure where they are spiritually, but they use the word blessed, right? They might say, man, I'm blessed, or I have a blessed life. And and they're using our word. (laughs) They're using our language. In Greek, the word blessed is eulageo. And it's where we get the idea of a eulogy. And it's to speak well of, to invoke blessings. If you stood, have ever stood up at a memorial service and you eulogize someone, you speak of the blessedness of their life, the good things in their life. In Hebrew, the word for bless is barak, B-A-R-A-K. And it's this idea of the hand covering to invoke the blessings of God. How do we bless people in the new year? What is the means by which people get blessed? Well, here it is the gospel. The greatest thing I can give to others is the truth of Jesus Christ. Now all of you probably realize that three monotheistic religions trace their uh, background to Abraham. You have Judaism, you have Islam, and you have Christianity. And they all trace their, their lineage or their, the backdrop of their religion to a man named Abraham. If you're new to the faith, you may know little about Abraham, but Abraham actually is the focal point of much of the early chapters of Genesis. In fact, after the creation account and the flood, Genesis basically chapters 1 through 11 is the unfolding story of a man who's First revealed to us as Abram, and then he's known as Abraham. And he becomes the father, or what's called the progenitor, of the Hebrew or Israelite or Jewish nation. And he's identified as a Hebrew before we ever have the name Israel or Jewish. Abraham is known as the Hebrew. If you write down Joshua 24, I won't go there for the sake of time in your notes, Abraham was called out of a place called Ur of the Chaldees, and it was a very pagan place. It was a place where they worshipped many false gods. His father and grandfather were pagans. They were those who worshipped gods outside the Bible, gods with a small g. And Abraham uh, followed the voice of the Lord. The Lord called him out of Ur, called him out of that life, if you will. We don't know exactly what was happening at that moment in Abraham's life. We don't know if he was dissatisfied with the false gods of his grandfather and father. But something in Abraham perhaps wanted something more, and that may be you this morning. Maybe you've grown up in a system where, you know, you have had religious things in your life. You've Gone through religious practices, you have traditions, but you're not sure if it's connected you to the living God, to the truth, to life. And sometimes we grow up in systems that may reflect the true gospel, and we know things, we know information, but we don't know God. So Abraham was called out of Ur of the Chaldees, and he followed God, and he didn't know where he was going. (laughs) Can you imagine? Just get up, pack your bags, and Go. And I'll show you where I want to take you. In 2020, that might be a good prayer for a lot of us, even though it's a dangerous prayer. Lord, wherever you want to take me this year, I'm willing to go. Here I am, Lord. (laughs) Send me. But could you give me a map? Could you give me GPS? Right. But we're called, actually, from uh, information in Romans 4, to follow in the footsteps of Abraham, who walked by faith. And not by sight. Abraham is an example of an Old Testament believer before circumcision was given, before the law was given, who was made right in God's eyes. And you, if you've been studying the Bible for a while, maybe you've asked this question or come across this question How did a man like Abraham, before the cross, before the resurrection, get saved? He didn't know the gospel like we know the gospel. Uh, To what we understand, he didn't know the name of Jesus. He didn't, from what we can see in the Bible, understand the coming cross. How was an Old Testament person made right in God's sight? How were they redeemed? It's a good question. I came across a story of redemption about a man named Lou Johnson. He was known as Sweet Lou Johnson. He played for the Dodgers, 1965 World Series hero for the L.A. Dodgers, the best team in baseball by the way, just wanted you guys to know that. Anyway, that's going to cause division in the congregation, right? He tried for 30 years to recover the championship ring he lost to drug dealers in 1971. Drug and alcohol abuse cost him everything from that magical season, including his uniform, his glove, his bat that he used to hit the winning home run in the deciding game. When Dodger president of that time, Bob Graziano, learned that Johnson's World Series ring was about to be auctioned on the internet, he immediately wrote a check for almost $3,500, bought the ring before any bids were posted. He did for Johnson what the former Dodgers outfielder had been unable to do for himself.
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment.
1: Life on the go can make it difficult to catch up on your study in the Bible. If you think about it, Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance is here for you, kind of like a daily supplement to help your spiritual growth. You can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want because it's on podcast too. Subscribe to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. For example, if you have an iPhone, we're on your iPodcast app already on your phone. Walk in Truth is also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. So listen on your hike, during your drive, or while you're getting work done at a coffee shop. Basically, listen whenever you want. Subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app.
0: We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth.
1: Drug and alcohol abuse cost him everything from that magical season, including his uniform, his glove, his bat that he used to hit the winning home run in the deciding game. When Dodger president of that time, Bob Graziano, learned that Johnson's World Series ring was about to be auctioned on the internet, he immediately wrote a check for almost $3,500, bought the ring before any bids were posted. He did for Johnson what the former Dodgers outfielder had been unable to do for himself. Johnson at the time was 66, now in his 80s, who has been drug-free for years and a Dodger community relations employee. He wept when given the gold ring and he said, it felt like a piece of me had been reborn. That's what redemption really is. It's we lose everything that's most important to us and it gets bought back by someone that maybe we didn't realize even loved us. That's what redemption is. It's, it's to be purchased back by God. I know if I was to ask uh, for a line of people to come up here and share their redemption stories, one after another of you would share what God has done for you. It's amazing what he's restored back into my life, the foundation that he's allowed me to live from. And so the text begins in verse 6, even so, or if you have an NIV, Galatians 3, 6 says, consider Abraham. Take a moment, consider him. Abraham believed God, and it, his belief, was reckoned to him as righteousness. NIV, he believed God, and it, the belief, was credited to him as righteousness. Now, we threw out the question, how was an Old Testament saint saved before the cross? The same way that you and I are saved, by believing in God. Some of the Reformers used to say that the greatest worship that you can give God is to trust what he says, to trust his word. Illustrations given, I think it originated with John Piper, and it's this illustration. Imagine that you're playing on a team, And your coach sends a play in. Let's say you're a football player, basketball player. Your coach draws up a play. If you are going to be true as an athlete, you're going to carry out the play of your coach. You're going to take his word that he's called the best play. It could be if you've been called to bunt and give yourself up as a baseball player or run a pick play for a a shooter that's someone other than you. The coach wants him to take the shot. If you trust your coach, you are taking what he said and you're saying, I believe that your word is true. We should do what you say. Your doctor gives you a diagnosis. He, he prescribes medication. You honor your doctor by saying, I believe that you have the expertise to diagnose me properly and give me the proper medication. You take him at, at his word. In fact, I think a lot of us would say that's the highest compliment someone could pay me. They would say that Michael's a man of his word. If he says he's going to show up, I believe he will. If he says he's going to do this, I believe he will. This is what God wants, and this is why belief is so prominent and preeminent in the Bible. God wants you, brother, sister, friend, to take him at his word, Not to believe that you get saved by some other means, but you get saved by believing and trusting in Him. And in both Greek and Hebrew, the Old Testament written in Hebrew primarily, the New Testament written in Greek, the Word is the same. Belief in the Bible is to trust the Word of God. It's to say, if you say that's how I get saved, then that's what I'm going to believe. And the Judaizers, if you've been with us in Galatians, as we've studied it, these folks uh, around the church were saying, no, you've got to be circumcised to be saved. You've got to keep the food laws to be saved. Gentiles, non-Jews, need to convert over to Judaism to be saved. And Paul says, no, they don't. Before Abraham was circumcised, 14 years before the sign of circumcision was given in Genesis uh, 17, Abraham was already proclaimed righteous in Genesis 15. And this is the point of the illustration. Paul has used a experiential example in chapter 3. Take a peek in verse 1. You foolish Galatians who bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? When you got saved, here's what Paul is saying experientially, subjectively, if you will. You heard the gospel and you got saved just by believing in what you heard. Amen? You heard, a preacher gave you the gospel. And you said, Oh, Lord, have mercy on me. Thank you for Jesus dying on the cross, rising from the dead. And you were born again of the Holy Spirit the moment that you believed. True? You didn't do 50 push-ups. You didn't have to change your diet in the following week, although some of us need to, (laughs) especially after the holidays. Can I get a witness? Anyway. Giving your cookies away. Take this. Take this. Take the popcorn, please. Anyway. You see... There's an experiential argument given in verses 1 through 5, and now a scriptural argument given, if you're taking notes, in 6 through 14. And the scriptural argument is from two uh, sections or two verses in Genesis, all the way back to Genesis to make his point. Because the Judaizers, these religious leaders, they made their claim back to Abraham. Abraham, Abraham, Abraham. This is from one commentator. He says, Jewish tradition emphasized Abraham's obedience rather than his faith. For example, in 1 Maccabees 2.52, it says, Was not Abraham found faithful when tested, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness? The sacrifice of Isaac in Genesis 22 is merged in 1 Maccabees with Genesis 15.6, with the result that Abraham's obedience rather than his faith is featured. Abraham's obedience, particularly in the sacrifice of Isaac, was a common theme in Jewish writings. I can give you the references if you want them. Paul does not discount Abraham's obedience in Romans 4. Nevertheless, in contrast to Jewish Second Temple literature, Paul puts the accent of Abraham's faith above Abraham's works. It is true that Abraham received the sign of circumcision 14 years later. It is true that Abraham went up on Mount Moriah in Genesis 22, and God said, Offer Isaac as a burnt offering to me. And Abraham took the knife, and he was ready to do it. But that was 30-plus years after Abraham was already declared righteous by his faith. Now, Abraham had a faith that worked, And I know some of us, we hear teaching like this and we get a little concerned. Are we saying that people can just say a sinner's prayer and that's it and they got their fire insurance and they stick it in their pocket and then they go live like the devil the rest of their life and we're saying they're okay? I'm not saying that. I'm saying you're saved by faith. Saving faith is what it's all about, but saving faith is not going to be without works. Amen? A true faith is going to produce fruit. And if you don't have fruit in your life, go back and look at the root. If you don't have fruit, you better re-examine the root. But if you are born again, fruit is going to come out. It's going to come out of your life uh, in different ways. You're going to have stages, if you will. You're going to grow. Sometimes we'll have seasons of dryness. But you don't have to be on a roller coaster in the Christian faith because your salvation is not based upon performance. It's based upon a finished work accomplished for you and me at the cross.
0: You've been listening to Sharing Abraham's Blessing, part one on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 3, verses 6 through 9. And remember, if you missed any part of today's program, You can listen on walkintruth.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Just so you know, Pastor Michael is the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California, and Pastor Shane is the worship leader. As things have slowly reopened, you're invited to attend either our Wednesday night service or one of our Sunday morning services. Also, if you don't live in Southern California or you'd rather watch online, we do live stream the services as well. You can find Living Truth Christian Fellowship on YouTube and by going to walkintruth.com. Either online or in person, Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team would love it if you'd join us. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a word.
1: Well, you may be listening right now to Walk in Truth and saying, man, I'm losing my faith. What does that mean to lose your faith? Well, sometimes we just begin to doubt. Sometimes we take too many body blows. We see too much corruption and evil, and we start to just kind of lose hope. What do you do in times like that? What do you do in hard times and difficult times and suffering and unanswered questions? Here's what you do. Don't run from God. Press into God. And that may be the hardest thing for some of you listening right now, and look, I've had stretches like this in my own life where it's been hard. And sometimes it's just taken that one step back. You know, I have a friend who's been in ministry for some years now who says, hey, if you're feeling dry, just dive into the deep end of your Bible, of serving others. You're going to find refreshment there. Uh, don't run away. Don't, don't hide yourself from other believers. Press into God. And I think that's the best way. If you feel like you're losing your faith, it's simply because you probably haven't been spending enough time with the one who is the object of our faith. His name is Jesus and he hasn't gone anywhere. He loves you. He's not going to give up on you, but he does want you to draw near to him and he'll draw near to you. Hey, speaking of drawing near, we have a Wednesday night service. And one of the reasons that you want to be part of a service is to draw near to God not just to listen to music and listen to preaching, but to worship in spirit and in truth to music and to take in the Word of God so that you can grow and become more like your great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The time is 7 p.m. for this live Wednesday night stream. We go through different books of the Bible and I know you'll enjoy it. You can check us out when you search for Living Truth Christian Fellowship on your YouTube. Just find our YouTube channel living truth christian fellowship in corona or go to walkintruth.com and click on the church tab and you'll end up there at the youtube channel walkintruth.com so grateful that you're listening we'll catch you tomorrow on the broadcast god bless
0: one more thing walk in truth is a listener supported program your five dollar donation helps us broadcast on radio provide the podcast and do free apologetic events all for the sole goal to equip you as a believer or help you learn more about Jesus if you're not a Christian. So please give your donation at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians chapter three, verses six through nine, called Sharing Abraham's Blessing. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.